Welcome to the Road.TV podcast, where today, Pastor Matthew continues our summer remix series, where it's all about the parables. In today's episodes, we're all about uncovering the true cost of following Jesus. Pastor Matthew will share some of his personal stories and shed some light on the hidden costs that we often overlook in life. Brace yourself for some thought-provoking insights as we delve into this profound wisdom of Jesus' parable from Luke 14. Let's dive in and explore the cost of discipleship together. What's up, church? You might have saw some dancing over here. We was not only in the spirit, but we were trying to kill some grasshoppers or cats or something. So don't worry about what you might have saw over here behind the curtain. It's just the wizard over here, the Oz. Man, it is good to be in the house. It's amazing. I was sitting here thinking as that happened, was unfolding, uh, just the little things that sometimes, can I, how about this, that Satan can do to distract us. And uh, man, I was distracted looking at a cricket. But uh, man, let's re- let me return my focus to God's word. Uh, we're in the middle of a series entitled Summer Remix. We're walking through, looking at different parables that are in the Bible. Some of these may be some of your favorites. Some of these may be new to you, but we are looking at God's word to his people as heard through parables. Uh, To get us to our title and our truth for today, let me just begin by sharing some stories with you. When I was a little boy, um, my parents liked to go to the mountains to just kind of get away from it all. Some of you maybe like to do that. Some of you may live in the boonies, and so you don't have to go nowhere to get in the boonies. But we lived in town, and my parents had a little place in the mountains of North Carolina. We liked to go there. My dad loved it because it was rustic, right? And he could get away and just be there with my mom and, and myself. I liked it because not only that there was a, a neat place to swim there, but there was great fishing. Let me just be honest. It was good trout fishing. And so I enjoyed fishing and swimming, hanging out with my family. I'll never forget, just like it was yesterday almost, I remember when the golf course moved in nearby, okay? I remember when the apartment complexes started coming up and being built there. I remember when the log cabins came. And I remember when we drove by one day, reading the sign in the window, free VCRs. And uh, we didn't have a VCR. I mean, I don't, some of y'all don't even know what a VCR is. Uh, but when I was a boy, the best VCR you could get was a Curtis Mathis VCR, okay? And so y'all, y'all know, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. And uh, that was the best VCR. We didn't have one, and we wanted one. And, and every time we'd go by, we would see it sign in the window, free VCR. Finally, my, my dad and uh, mom got up, I guess you could say the nerve, to, to go get our free VCR. And after three hours of intense conversations and convincing them, we only came for the VCR not to buy a share plan into their little facility there. My dad finally walked out with the VCR. And uh, I learned uh, nothing is free. Uh, it cost us a lot of time and... Uh, some crazy conversations. Uh, but with that being said, my family and I, we were in a, one of our favorite sub shops not too long ago. And my, my daughter, Lois, was trying to, she was like ordering everything or thinking through everything she wanted to order. And she was naming it out loud. And I thought, I finally stopped. I said, good grief, girl, who's going to pay for all that? And she said, you mean they're not giving it away for free? And I said, uh, no, nothing's for free. And to which she then pointed to a sign on the wall and it said, free smells. 
And I said, well, I don't know about you, but what I want ain't free. Okay, so uh, how many of you know that maybe what you want ain't free? Uh, except my daughter, Ellery, the other day, she said, you know, um, I want this free phone that's in the advertisement. She's been trying to convince us that she needs a phone to live. <laughs> and um, <laughs> she, was talk, she was confident she could talk me into something for free. And so as I began to point out to her, this phone actually isn't free. There's, a, um, there's an activation fee. There's a monthly service fee. How about this? I didn't even realize this until I was looking at my bill the other day. There's a 911 service fee. There's admin charges. There's regulatory charge. Listen, I could go on and on, but here's what I, 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 we learned as a family that day is even if we don't see it, how about this? There are hidden costs. You know, one of the things that I've struggled with in the, in the local church, if you will, is, is that in an attempt to get converts and attendees, we have given away the gospel without being honest about its cost. And so what we're going to do today is just have an honest conversation about the gospel and the cost associated. Okay, here's the title for today's message, The Cost of Following Jesus. The cost of following Jesus. Now, my truth for today, I'm going to be honest, I got it from a guy named Jamie Johnson, or at least it was the inspiration of my, of my truth. And you, maybe some of you listen to Jamie Johnson, and he says the high cost of living ain't nothing like the cost of living high. Some of y'all live that, y'all know exactly what I'm talking about, okay? But this is the truth for today, using that as an inspiration. Here it is. Following Jesus is costly, but not as costly as not following Jesus. Listen to me again, I need you to hear it. Following Jesus is costly, but not as costly as not following Jesus. Let me pray for us. We're going to look to Luke chapter 14. Lord Jesus, have your way. We love you. We lift you up. Lord, may we hear you and nothing else this morning. You are the only one that changes lives. You are the only one, Lord, that can move us to action. And so, Holy Spirit, would you move and would you speak and would you draw us close? Would you help us, give us confidence for and boldness in taking our next step? Have your way, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. To remind some and inform others, let me catch us up with what's taking place in Luke chapter 14. Dr. Luke was writing to a guy named Theophilus, we could call him Leo, because, or Theo, he wants to help him fully understand, how about this, that Jesus is God's son, and for Theo to have a, we could say, a full confidence in following Jesus. Theophilus needed to be fully confident and following Jesus. Now, here's why that's true. If you aren't confident in what you believe, you won't be confident to trust what you believe when it matters most. I'm going to say it again because I need you to understand this because some of you have a somewhat of a belief and when life gets hard, it goes to pot. Okay? And some of you, when you're, when you're facing difficult situations and you're facing arguments, if you, if dare I say, with other people in your life that you love, once they start bringing, how about this non-truth, you don't even know anymore of what you believe is actually true. And so it's important, listen to me very carefully, to be confident in what you believe. If you aren't confident in what you believe, you won't be confident to trust what you believe when it matters most. 
So when we get to Luke chapter 14, we we read where Jesus went into the house of one of the rulers of the Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath. To be clear, Pharisees are religious experts. And let me just say this to us. You don't hang out with the religious expert. We could say even a biblical know-it-all, right? Unless you're confident in what you believe. Why is that? Because normally when you hang out with a bunch of religious nobodies, you know what I'm saying? Religious know-it-alls, then all of a sudden you're going to have a fight, an argument on your hand because they got something that they think you need to know that sometimes ain't even true. But if you don't know what you believe, (laughs) and yet even though Jesus had some of his most difficult conversations, we could call it his greatest disputes with the Pharisees, he's still associated with them. You know, you can't influence people that you aren't around. And so Jesus didn't hang out with these Pharisees and with all these sinners because he wanted to be like them. He, he actually hung out with them to show them love and, exo- and a godly example and how to live a faithful life. And that's what we're going to see today. Jesus is going to teach us that there's more to following him than we might have ever believed or originally believed, but following him is far greater and worth the cost and to not follow him at all. And this is what we read in Luke chapter 14, 25 through 33. Luke chapter 14, 25 through 33. Now large crowds were going along with him and he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he can't be my disciple. Verse 27, whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who observe it will begin to ridicule him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or, what king, when he sets out to meet another king in battle, will not first sit down and consider who is strong enough with 10,000 men to encounter the one coming against him with 20,000? Makes sense. Or else, while the other's still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. In other words, he realizes, because he looked, he can't win. Let's, let's make the peace on this situation. Verse 33, the last verse we're going to look at. So then, how about this? None of you can be my disciple who does not give up all his own possessions. I'm going to read that last sentence again. I want you to hear it. None of you can be my disciples who does not give up all his own possessions. (laughs) Wow. Is Jesus serious? I mean, hate mom and dad? Um, Hate my wife and my children? I mean, I don't have any brothers and sisters, but are my kids supposed to hate each other? I mean, if anything, we teach them, Alice and I, to, to love each other, to respect each other, to be best friends. Hate? Um, Listen, don't you dare, how about this, buy into the lie that Jesus wants you to hate anybody that he died for. Pastor talked about this really last week in the Wheats and Tares. Um, One of the first scriptures that I ever ever memorized was in John 3.16. You guys remember it? For God so loved the world. The great, the great commandment, 
love God and love people, love others, right? Love, be a good neighbor, right? So if God loves people and asks us to love people, it, it wouldn't make sense to think that we're supposed to hate them. So what in the world is Jesus saying to the disciples? What's he saying to us when he looks at us and he says, hate these people? Well, to understand this, we have to understand Jewish idioms, okay? Uh, To love one person more than another is described in the Old Testament as loving one and hating another. Uh, In the Bible reading plan in Genesis, if you remember when we were talking about uh, Jacob loving Rachel more than Leah, remember that? This is all about Jewish idioms where he didn't actually hate Leah, he just loved Rachel more. Does that make sense? And so again, in Jewish culture, hating is actually a Jewish expression for loving less. So when Jesus says to hate them, he's saying, listen, he's not saying to hate them. He's saying simply love him more. Now, why would he say that? Well, here's the reason. And I think for us is that when we think about the things we love most, it normally comes back to a person. Um, If we're super honest with ourselves, the distractions we face in life that pull us away from God's word and his way, it still comes back to a people group, a people or a person, or dare I even say ourselves, we like us more than anything else. Um, <laughs> I love my, my mama. She's sitting right over here, okay? I love my wife. She's right over here. I love my children. So how about this? If I'm honest with you, some of the hardest things in my life is learning how to say no to them in order to give me margin and them margin for doing the things that matter most, God's word and his ways. I found in my life, and I I just want to share me with you, I, I found in my life that because I want my family to be happy more than anything, when my priorities are out of whack, I will choose their happiness over their holiness. And can I just say to us, mommies and daddies and leaders, our primary responsibility, this is in your notes, to our families and the people we lead, isn't to help them be happy, but holy. Listen to me again. Our primary responsibility as parents and leaders, all of you are leading someone or something, isn't to help them be happy, but to help them be holy. Now, since I'm not from Oklahoma, uh, OU is not one of my favorite teams on the planet. I think you guys know that. Um, some of you really love OU, it seems like. Um, so, um, but even though I don't really love OU, I, I, let me say this. Um, I really appreciate Patty Gasso. You guys know her? She said this. I thought this was really cool. Uh, she said, um, in a, it was in an interview, that her purpose isn't to win games, but to open the door for Christ to win souls. She gets it. It, it, Listen, it's not about happiness. It's about helping those around us that we're leading to find life in Christ. Jesus then transitions this parable from our attitudes of others to our attitude of ourselves. He says this, we are to pick up our cross and, and follow him. And so when I read that, that, that verse, I began to think, well, what in the world is my cross? I mean, if Jesus says to us, pick up your cross and follow him, I mean, we need to know what our cross is. Otherwise, we can't do what he's asked us to do. And so I began to research, what do you think cross is? Well, I'm going to tell you, okay? Because cross is an instrument of shame. For us, it's what are we ashamed of? 
Your cross is what you are ashamed of. It technically, it means our weaknesses that we try to run and hide from. I was talking with our pastor. I was trying to trip him up. You know what I mean? Like any good Pharisee. And, uh, and so I said, what is our cross? And he said this, and I was like, dang, that's really good. I wanted to share it with you. He says, it means the unfair things that have happened. Listen to me. I need you to see what God is saying. He's saying, I want all of you to follow me. I want the whole you to follow me. Not just the glamorous part. Not, not just the parts you, you, you wish you were. Not, not just the parts you're ashamed of. Not, not just the parts that you, that you have already filtered through and posted on Instagram to make sure you don't look fat. You know what I mean? He's talking about all parts, everything. I, I'm so thankful that when Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow me, he's talking about everything that has ever happened to us that we are ashamed of, afraid of, fearful about, that we want to hide. And listen to me, can I just say this? There's a lot of things I don't want you to know about me. There's a lot of things in my life I'm ashamed of. And Jesus is saying, unless you can come to me honestly, authentic, authentically, whatever it is. (laughs) I'm a normal guy too. Vulnerably, listen, you're not going to come for long. But if you come with every ounce of you, Why why would Jesus say that? Because listen, we won't follow Jesus for long if we think we have to follow him as someone we're not. Because eventually who we really are will want to come out. And if we don't think who we really are can still be associated with Jesus, when that really who we are part comes out, we'll walk away. And Jesus says, listen, I want all of you. I'm so thankful God wants all of me. All the parts I'm ashamed of, all all the parts that I don't want you to know. I'm so thankful that he wants me even at my worst, my anger, my bad attitude, my self-righteousness. He wants all of me. And can I just say, I need you to hear me. He wants all of you. And this would have been mind-blowing to the Pharisees. I mean, it didn't make sense because, I mean, they had set up all these laws because they were doing everything they could to try to be someone they're not. They were trying to be perfect. And in an attempt to be perfect, they, almost, they, they made it impossible. <laughs> and Jesus is saying to follow him is not to play those games of acting like Life is always good. It's about being honest with who we are, where we are, and God's picture. I wrote this in your notes. I just need you to see this. Spiritual maturity isn't only about our ability to recognize where God is, but where we are. It's not only about our ability to recognize where God is, but where we are. Because if you don't know where you are, you can't ever take your next step. I need to say this because it, I was really reminded of it in our Bible reading plan. We were reading through the book of Sam, or Judges and looking at this story of Samson. Do you remember Samson? 
Um, I wrote in my notes, maybe this will make sense to you, I wrote him down as the stereotypical dumb jock. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's what I need him to be in my, my reading of scripture. Uh, here's, and this is the thought that kind of goes along with that. The devil isn't only in the details, but he's also in our denial. Satan will use denial in our lives to keep us from dealing with something now that will bring to destruction to us later. Samson, how about this? The whole story of Samson is about a guy consistently living in denial of his reality and it ultimately cost him his life and his reputation. Denial, how about this, is sparing feelings and sabotaging future. God won't change what you won't be honest about. How about this? Um, he won't fix what you won't acknowledge. He won't heal what you don't reveal. And so when God says, come to me, pick up your cross, all of you, he's saying, listen, bring all these hard parts that you are afraid to show. Bring all these things that you don't know how to talk about and let me do what only I can do, that you can't do, that you wish you could do, that sometimes you lie about doing. When God says, whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me can't be my disciple, he's not saying that he doesn't want you to follow him. He's simply stating that if you're perfect, if you don't have any problems, if you know everything already, if you are God's greatest gift to earth, your just wisdom is just through the roof, it probably is not going to do you any good to follow him. You don't need to. But if you can be honest and say, you know what, I, I'm not perfect. I know I have a tendency to care more about my feelings than my future. If you know you have a tendency to lean into yourself before you leave into Jesus, if you know you're not always wise and you don't always make wise decisions, if you can't save yourself, then Jesus says, then come follow me. <laughs> He didn't say, get your life right before you follow me. Do you, how dumb is it to think that we have to get our crap in order before we follow Jesus? How dumb is that? Jesus says, pick up your cross, everything that you hate about you, and follow me. And the rest of the parable is really about counting the cost of following Jesus. And... Uh, Normally in a sermon, we hear about all these costs that we have to give up, all these things that we can't do anymore. And man, we've really sold ourselves short. Because the truth of the matter is, we have no idea what the cost is of following Jesus. I mean, what the cost is for me may not be the cost for you. Just the other day, I looked to my wife and I said, I need to really give up this LinkedIn account. This is a problem for me. She said, oh, that's interesting because I was fixing to add that. What's it show? It means that we're all different. What I need to do today may be different than what I do to, need to do tomorrow. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so to talk about the cost of following Jesus, it all changes. But what we can talk about is what is the cost of not following Jesus? 
What can we really make tangible? Because again, we don't really know what we're supposed to give up today versus tomorrow. Matter of fact, you know what? Let's be honest. Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. So if we're going to keep it biblical, then let's not, not look too far down the road. Let's look at right now. What is the cost right now if you choose to not follow Jesus? Here's the first thing I came up with, living in fear. Living in fear. I don't need you to raise your hand. This is a rhetorical question. How many of you say, you know what? I've sometimes am guided by my fear. I sometimes make decisions based on what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid this is going to happen, so I'm making that decision. You know, it was all through the pandemic and everything. We started talking about uh, faith over fear. How many of you say, I, I, I know that I have a tendency to let my fear guide me? Um, uh, the scripture calls us in John 14 orphans. We have some friends that uh, adopted uh, a little girl. And um, this is what I've, I've learned about orphans uh, specifically through their story. Orphans who have been newly adopted sometimes live with a scarcity mindset. Even though their needs have now been met, they can suffer from fear of abandonment and may have difficulty trusting in someone who will provide for them. As a result, they act out negative behaviors in order to escape a perceived threat. Sometimes we operate out of our fear. And let me just say this to you. It gets us into trouble. That's what that's all about. Jesus says, if you follow me, how about this? 1 John 4, 18, perfect love drives out fear. If you're living and making your decisions based on fear, that's not following Jesus. But if you follow him, the things that have been scary that have been causing you to act the way you act won't be quite as scary anymore. Here's number two, being enslaved to unhealthy mindsets. Again, I don't need you to answer this question. How many of you think about the wrong things? How many of you let things cross your mind consistently that you know it's not from the Lord, but you don't know how to get it to stop? <laughs> how many of you that what you did with him or what you did with her continues to come up in and through your mind? How many of you, the things that have been said about you that were negative and derogatory and put downs, how many of you, those things are what consistently goes through your mind and like a bad movie, a horror show, it continues to play over and over and over and you don't know how to get what's in your head to stop? enslaved, how about this, to unhealthy mindsets. The problem with an enslaved mindset, and that's what we have when we're not a follower of Jesus, is that while Jesus offers to change our mind and change our life, an unbeliever can't break free of those default thinking patterns. And yet if we're a follower of Jesus in Romans chapter 12, he says this, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Are you letting bad thoughts and bad default settings guide your life? What's the third thing that I came up with of a cost of not following Jesus? Instability in life. Uh, Colossians 1.28, we read that maturity in Jesus is the goal of every believer. Infancy, how about this, is fine if you're truly new in the faith, but an extended spiritual infancy in childhood doesn't produce the abundant life that Jesus came to bring. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14, God teaches us that the more spiritually mature we are, how about this, the better we can discern good from evil. And let me just say this to you. If you are consistently living your life and you cannot tell the difference between what's good and what's right, what's from Jesus and what's not, then that is an instable life. If you got more ups and downs than you know what to do with and you're sick of being on the roller coaster that you don't like anymore, listen to me, that's instability of life. And that comes from not following Jesus. 
I'm just being honest with you guys. You okay? I'm, about, I'm wrapping it up, I promise you. Why, don't, why am I walking through these things? Because I want you to understand there is great cost to not following Jesus. And some of you, I'm not saying you're not saved. I am saying you're not taking your next step in following Jesus and your life is showing it. And you don't know how to break free from it. And I'm just telling you now, your answer to living the life that Jesus has made available for us to live, listen to me, is being obedient to his word, being in him, following his word. But what's the greatest reason or greatest cost of not following Jesus? I think this is it, eternity in hell. You know, the scariest scripture in all of the Bible to me is Matthew 7, 21. This is what it says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Why is that so scary to me? Because there's a lot of people that have at some point in their life got up, walked to the Ford, prayed with Pastor Rick or some pastor and maybe got baptized. I, I love it when the, when the screen drops and somebody goes to the water of baptism. Listen to me, when they're doing some initial steps, but it never is really a heart change. The emotion of the moment drove them to make a step, but a life devoted to Jesus was not the step afterwards. And Jesus is saying there's a lot of people that did some things that I ever never saw. And can I just say this to you? There's a lot of people, dare I say, in this room that have walked to the front, prayed a prayer, got baptized, and you never really fully gave your life to Jesus Christ. And I want to be, I'm going to be the first, because I love you, I'm going to tell you. And, and some of you will go to hell. But there's good news. Romans 6, 23, that while the wages of sin is death, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. <laughs> you know, I don't normally, my time is up, but give quotes to, but other pastors, I mean, really, Pastor Rick is the smartest man I know. He tells me that, and I believe him. <laughs> and so uh, I like to quote him. This, this week, though, and actually a couple of weeks ago, I read this quote. It really just changed my life and, and my thinking on following Jesus and the cost of not following Jesus. And this is what I read. It's, in, it's by, a quote by Dallas Willard. This is what he says. Um, to depart from righteousness, which is following Jesus, is to choose a life of crushing burdens, failures, and disappointments, a life caught in the toils and endless problems that are never resolved. Here is the source of that, listen, unending soap opera, that sometimes horror show known as normal human life. The cost of discipleship, though it may take all we have, is small, but compared to the lot of those who don't accept Christ's invitation to be a part of his company in the way of life. That's in your notes, by the way. Wow. Are you following Jesus? Are you? Following Jesus is costly, but not as costly as not following Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we love you. 
And uh, God, your word is so good, it's so clear. And God, I believe you've revealed us today, this morning, just the certainty of your word in each of our lives. And so God, I, I don't know what we all heard, but I do know them, believe that you have spoken. And so God, however you have spoken to us now, Lord, would we take it to heart? Lord, I, I do believe that there's many people in this room, even watching online, that have been led by their fears. I, I believe that there are people that are stuck in unhealthy thinking patterns. Lord, I believe that there's people that's walking and has never been able to somehow found, find peace and live that stable life that you bring. Lord, I believe there's a lot of people that, that have no clue that if they died today where they would even spend eternity in their life. But Lord, I know that right now you can give us clarity. You can help us be confident of what it is that you've done on the cross so that we can be confident in today. And so, Holy Spirit, would you have your way right now? Would you speak to us in Jesus' name? Amen. Church family, you stand on your feet, please. You know, let me just say this to every single one of us. Please hear me. I love you. Um, I'm so thankful to be a part of this faith family. Um, if you are wrestling with fear, we would love to pray with you. If, if you are like, I've got some things in my head I just can't move past, we would love to pray with you. If you're like, I've just got some things in my life, I'm just up and down and I, I need help, we'd love to pray with you. If you need clarity on eternity, we would love to pray with you. But maybe more than anything, somehow, just like in the first service, you say, realize, you know what, I've walked down before, but I've never really fully given my life to Jesus Christ. I want to be saved. I can't do it myself, and I need help today. I need to make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior in my life. We would love to pray with you. This is the day of salvation. This is the day of salvation. Do not let anything hinder you from taking that step to be saved today. Maybe you need to be a part of this church, join our church, whatever you need to do. This is your opportunity to respond. We love you. We love walking with you, and we can't wait to pray with you as you come forward. Come as we sing. Hey, thanks for joining us at The Road. If you'd like more information about things going on at Choctaw Road Baptist Church, visit us at theroad.tv or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theroadcrbc. Have a great week.